Welcome to the show. This is Stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw. I am Bradshaw. That would be Briscoe. And back in 1976, when this man debuted, I thought, that's what I want to do in life is be a professional wrestler. There was nothing bigger in the state of Texas than the Von Erickson. It's such an honor. They're as big a stars as they were. They were just as good a guys, especially this one, Kevin uh, Von Erick. Thank you for coming on the show. It's great to see you. Oh, man, it's my pleasure. I'm glad you guys are calling me up. These are two of those festive fellas in the business, and so this is going to be a great show, everybody. So, call your friends. Kevin, <laughs> thanks so much. You see the you see these smiles on our faces, man. We've been talking about trying to get you on for months and months and months, and uh, we finally got the courage to to pick up the phone and give you a buzz, and you're gracious with your time, and uh, and we want to give a big shout out to Pam, your lovely wife there for hooking you up and hooking us up on, on this Zoom call because you and I seem to have a little problem at Texan, that other Texan up there. I'm always outnumbered, but he, he's a technical genius of the two of us. And uh, so, uh, but anyway, we got you on and we're happy as hell. We're just going to sit back and just just tell some old wrestling stories and, and have a good time. Yeah, good deal. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, com- I'm challenged with all this stuff. You know, I guess we, we all are. You know, but it's uh, we got kids and we can get it, we can make it happen. But uh, yeah. I just don't have any interest for this stuff. You know, it's kind of hard for me to figure it out when I don't really want to. I suppose that's kind of hell. You what live in paradise. You live in paradise. You got everything in the world right there in your backyard. There, just tell us a little bit about what you're doing, and, and <laughs> if you don't mind, you know, a little bit, bring us up to date on on Kevin Von Eric. Well, uh, right now I'm. Uh, we're gonna we're working on building a smokehouse. I want to go ahead and just have, always have it going. And we have turkey, ducks, and uh, sheep. But then we all always get wild pigs out here, so I can hang a ham up and have that smoking. A uh, turkey and ducks, and then uh, the sheep. And then we've got meat, plenty. You know, out here it is so dang expensive that we all barter. You know, like we uh got we have we trade goods rather than money, so that you know it keeps the you know, a little—it's a whole lot easier. I—I I don't think we get by without it. It's just like uh, a lot of neighbors helping each other out, and, and that's that's a good. That's one. This island's all about. It's pretty mostly farmers out here, and all my friends are farmers. And so, y'all, there's pretty much when it comes to food, there's really nothing you can, you're going to miss. It's it's pretty easy out here, but I mean, it, it, you've got to get around and get to know people first. But yeah, that's that's a way to go to barter. And you got, uh, what, 20, 27 acres out there in Kauai, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Some of it is kind of uh, low. You know, there's some low land, but it, it's it's uh, uh, then mid-level, and we've got some uh, some kind of mountain land on there. So, we, we you know, it's just we've got a little of everything, but it's good for the sheep. You know, they, they, they eat, you know, they feed everywhere. We've got the fattest sheep in Kauai, I believe. All the restaurants use our sheep. I kind of live live my Hawaiian fantasy through through you. Some of the videos that you post of you and your family, I see you got a waterfall, and you got a swimming hole there with a swing on it, and every kind of reminded me of those old Southern hills of Oklahoma, where Turner Falls around that area, not too far from Denton, Texas. You know where where you were growing up there, up right. there that, Highway Seven. Up there to Davis. I always say exactly up there, man. A beautiful place, but I got kind of live my Hawaiian fantasy through you. I see those videos. That must be the life out there. Have your family surrounding you. 
on on your farm there and then just uh like you said co-op and your food old school like old school <laughs> living there and i mean it you'll know, get along with your neighbors know everybody's names i mean that's that's the way to live life there congratulations kev yeah it is that really is a jerk it's like uh there's just uh not that many people here and after after soon y'all after a while y'all know each other and uh and so bartering works out great i'll tell you i had uh one big tuna about a 70 pound tuna i traded him for uh axle grease and a boat trailer i mean I, I, <laughs> I, because I, my neighbor wanted a boat trailer and and it just worked out great we have a uh, he grows fruit that i don't grow and uh and uh so it just worked out I, really it's uh it couldn't be better. Uh, there was, did you we're, did we're, you we're spare happy. did you spare the tuna? Uh, no, th- we caught this one on on uh, rod and reel. But yeah, a lot of times we do spear. Uh, we spear we spear fish a lot. Martian loss, especially now. That used to be a big hobby with me. I loved it, you know. But man, with uh, all these knee surgeries, I'm just not good at kicking my knees anymore. I <laughs> kicking my legs. I get so sore down there, you know. It's I know what but, you mean. Uh, I just had a knee replacement, Kevin, and I'm going up going through like my sixth week of that. So uh yeah, I, I love yeah. those knees are, are hard surgery, yeah. man. Well, well, here's my knee replacement right there. I just had it myself, Jerry. Ooh. Oh wow. So, yeah, yeah, they did mine. And uh they want to do the other one too, but I'm kinda holding out because I went <laughs> one at a time, you know. And now it's like um I should have let them a while back, but you know, I'm just gonna you know, just not wrong. I, w- I just won't be running the high hurdles anymore. So that, that's the yeah. way I'm going to get away from home. Hey, well, did I tell us, you know, that you, hey, you just segued into a great volunteer, the Von Erics. I mean, everybody thinks of Von Erics, you know, these, these, these worldwide superstars in the ring. But man, before they were those Von Erics in the rings, you guys were world class athletes in the Texas high school system there. I mean, you guys did all the sports that there was in Texas. And not only did you do them, but you guys set records to them. And I, but if I remember correctly, you got a scholarship to North Texas State uh, playing football, right? Yeah, I was uh, North Texas with football, and Dave played football and basketball. And Kerry had a track scholarship at uh, University of Houston. And so the three of us, yeah, we, you know, you guys know too. I mean, it's a lifestyle. It's this every day is the same. I mean, you're going to take care of your body. You're going to do right. You're going to put business first. And so that's how it is. That's a disciplined life, but it's a, you know, it's a, I'm sure glad I did it. I weren't, you know, behaved this way. I'm glad that I, you know, didn't, uh, you know, stay prepared for this kind of, I suppose you guys do too, Jerry, you and wrestling and Joe, you and Jerry and Jack and, you know, have a great name in wrestling all through Florida too, didn't you? You have a, I mean, you guys have got the credentials for bigger than mine, I suppose. I'm sure you do. You and well, Jack are so they, good. It, you know, John, John, of course, played at Abilene Christian there. You know, was was a uh, was a uh, All American there and uh, and uh, in their in their Hall of Fame there. So you know, you guys in that Texas, you played that football there. That was your main sport there, but. Von Eric family, I mean, the roots run deep because you, your dad, Fritz, he was a, a, a football star at Southern Methodist, right? And he had some pretty big shot teammates that, that went on. Oh, the yeah. He's a he, big John is like a, he was a, when he was down in world class for a little while, you know, we, we broke him in, but he was a big old monster. He was even, 
maybe worse than Dingo was, you know, the Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man, I love that. Uh, <laughs> worse than we're a Dingo gonna, warrior. <laughs> we work in a show out in the West Texas, and I was out in uh, Tyler, and he was there in Palestine, picked him up, and we went out to show out there and met all those coaches and all what. Shoot, I love that school he went to out there. Nice coaches and everybody. They just love this guy, though. They, everybody everybody in that college has got a uh, John Layfield story. Every <laughs> one of them. <laughs> hey, you know one thing I didn't realize, Kevin, was uh, that you you and your brother, Kerry, were, were really good high jumpers. You know, I knew I knew Kerry's credentials. You know, he, he set the Southwest Conference record back when they had the Southwest Conference. He broke your dad's junior discus record. I think he threw 205 is what I think it was. And he's yeah. also, you were a six foot six high jumper and he was a six foot four high jumper at two yeah. something pounds. That's insane. I, I yeah, never well, heard that until I, I saw an interview with you with, I think, Conrad and, and uh, Ric Flair. That's right. I was like, I weighed just under 220 and Kerry was uh, 245. <laughs> Jumping almost that high. It was just amazing. You know, I think that's really. Well, yeah, all we, you know, the, the, all we did was work out, you know, all we did was, you know, the stay in shape, eat the right thing, go to bed early, you know, and, uh, yeah, we got pretty darn good, you know, um, but, uh, but I mean, you know, this is, it wasn't to football and track wasn't to be, Kerry realized it too. The wrestling is just, we didn't expect it to be like a summer job that just took off and, uh, and, and we did it for, you know, for 20, I did it for 20 years. And so it's just like, uh, you know, that's the business for you. It's just, the, I never knew that was the road I was going to take, but once I got on it, I knew that was the one. So I'm not going to let you out of your childhood that, that I read some story about, you know, I grew up with four brothers and, uh, you know, we were crazy and, uh, and, you know, we grew up in rural Oklahoma, kind of like you were out in rural Texas there. And, you do some crazy things. I was I was reading where you was telling a story about you guys used to, to stand up and uh through the through the through the roof the moon roof of the cars and you know and and, and uh, just just play like the country boys play out there. You just get a little rowdy every once in a while. That's a great uh, story. We did. Those were days. Those days were a while, long while back. But yeah, we took the pistol on the road trips with us and target practice on the way home and <laughs> you know yeah we did all that stuff just like we all did it, i think you know all the boys out in, in the and uh on watts's territory they they were you know so many road trips i guess just to break up the boredom they you know they all carried the pistols you know and hunted off the road and all just as illegal as you could be but you know well yeah, had a great had a great time <laughs> Hey Kevin, if, if you hadn't had all the knee surgeries, would you would you have played football? Would you have just continue playing football, or would because you're you're kind of wrestling just in the summer in in the middle of, of football season, or when football was in the off season, would you continue with football? Yeah, I would have. I, I did enjoy football, but uh, you know, like I said, it wasn't meant to be. And then there was the. Uh, you know, the surgeries, all those surgeries, it, it took the fun out of it. I couldn't even fire out of a stance, really, you know, after after I just, uh, you know, how the coaches tell you, you know, trust it, trust it. Don't, you know, I made myself just ignore the pain and and uh, and come back. You're too early. We're, you're always a kid. You're going, oh, you want the, you know, you want to do your best. And I tried to come back too early and just, you know, ruined one. And so I thought, no, I'm not going to do that again because I just couldn't couldn't hold that. You know, 
that, that kind of thing, you, you know, I didn't need that hindering me. I knew I'd be going into um, wrestling someday. And so now I got out of it when I got that really bad knee surgery. Of course, I had three knee surgeries in, in college. But yeah, that was, uh, I, I would have played football, Jerry. That's just because it was like, uh, you know, I mean, it, it was it's a lifestyle that I was comfortable with. I, when I was a kid, I wanted to, I knew I'd make that team up in North Texas. I would have to, you know, pull a rabbit out of a hat and 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 do all I could. And, and I did. I just really completely dove into it and, uh, and everything went great. But, uh, you know, unless you are ready to pour it out 110%, well, then, you know, you're probably not going to do well. But, you know, I was ready when I went up there. And so I suppose that, uh, that helped a lot, you well, know. You missed the heyday of North Texas uh, football when uh, Kathy Ireland was the kicker on, in the movie that was filmed at North Texas football field. So, so yeah, you, I did miss that. you missed the big day of <laughs> Kathy Ireland. Yeah, I guess I did. Yeah, we, yeah, I was I was a holder up there. I mean, I was actually held for field goals and extra points, and so uh, and well, we had a uh, our kicker kicked a, a seventy yard field goal and it went sixty three yard. It tied that NFL record, and so. Uh, but I never heard anything else about it. But uh, yeah, he's. It was the, the, it, it, what shocked me when I got up to North Texas. It was everybody was a specialist or something. If you played right tackle, you were pulling or, or right guard, you were a pulling guard. And everyone had was a, everything they did was like I couldn't believe how polished those guys were. I mean, it was a you know a new thing to me. It was like uh, you know, but uh, and, and I want I enjoyed it. I want to apologize for this, that Jerry Briscoe compared Oklahoma to a beautiful island in the middle of the ocean of, of Kauai. So yeah, he actually, he actually <laughs> said, Kauai reminds him somehow of Oklahoma. I don't know how. It's You know how, <laughs> you know how these Okies are, Kevin. You've been to yeah, southern yeah. Oklahoma, John. You've been to southern Oklahoma. You know how beautiful it is down there, you know, so uh, – uh, but you're right. Kauai is, you know, they filmed so many great movies there, you know, uh, all all that. But it, it's a beautiful yep. place. But but we all live yeah. in beautiful places there. And as long as we got friends, you know, we can sit around and tell these stories, you know, who cares where we're at, you know. That's true, Jerry. But, you know, I, I will tell you this. Living in Texas and, and, and Oklahoma, you know, because I was on the Texas-Oklahoma border. Uh, I'd go over there, Lake Ten Killer. That's a great yeah. diving lake you got over right. there, and 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 out there on and uh, on Highway Seven out in, near Davis with the Turner Falls. That's just beautiful. It really is beautiful out there. Yeah. And then we go down around Boken Bowen Antlers. My brothers like it real right. down there. So we loved. Oklahoma. And I'll tell you, Texas too. There's some beautiful spots in Texas, and so you know, I'm not gonna just say, well, hike Kauai has got to beat head up because actually they don't. I, I miss Texas. I really do. I love this place, but I there was a whole lot of good stuff about Texas and Oklahoma that uh, that I did pass off on. You know, I love those long. You know, you can get off by yourself in Texas and Oklahoma, and you can't really do that here. You know, it, it does decide dawn on you that I can only go about twelve, fifteen miles in either direction. You know, and uh, <laughs> without hitting a beach. You know, so yeah, so I'm out here in a, in a dot in the middle of the Pacific. But I like well, that. You know, that's a great place to be. Kevin, Kevin, tell us this. Says, you know, okay, you, you went to North Texas. You know, you tried football. That was you know, one, of, one of your dreams to, to, to be a football star. And the knees, uh, you know, uh, they just wouldn't hold up. And so, yeah. okay, now, now it's decision time. 
Am I going to get into my father's business? Am I, am I going to go that direction there? What kind of decision process was it? And then how did you transition in? Who, who actually got you in the ring and started training you guys? Jerry, I think if the people knew the real story, they wouldn't believe it. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, I was the first of the, the brothers to do that. And in that day, when I started out in 1976, really, when I started out, it was like a, the rest the fans that were used to the wrestlers being kind of middle-aged, you know, 30, 40, even older. And, uh, and it's different when we went to the, when I went to the ring, the girls were behaving like that, you know, with the screaming and hollering and, and, uh, I was always kind of a shy kid, you know, and I was, uh, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was shy. And so, uh, when I saw that, I thought, you know, my dad knew that I was shy. My dad loved me. He really loved me a lot. And he, I thought that's just like him to give those people girls money and for them to behave like that. Because I said, I can't go. He's like, I said, hell, I'm never going to do it again. I, I, you embarrassed me so bad. I said, for those girls behaving, uh, going, uh, doing all like that. And, uh, and, and I, I don't know how much you paid them, Deb. It was, it was a mistake because I'm just playing. I don't think I'm going to show my face there again. And, uh, and they, to him, Bronco Lubitsch, and, uh, they started laughing at me, you know, and, and so then I, it dawned on me, dad didn't, I thought, what, you know, I had, I had, uh, I had kind of a low self-esteem. I didn't believe that was really going on, but it did. And it kind of gave me a, a little kick in the butt to say, Hey, that's, that's what your calling is and just do it. And, and I, I got better and better at it. Of course, at first I thought I was terrible. And I bet y'all felt like that too. I was with yeah, John sure when he had so. his first. Yeah, I was with Big John when he had his first, and he wasn't that way. He was he he hit some of the guys so hard their feelings flew out of their teeth. Remember <laughs> Johnny Benjamin? He did. Knocked the so he was like at teeth. the beginning of his career too. I I, I can't he was stiff. He was stiff in, in the beginning of his career because there's still well, guys did, to this day. That, that's right. He was he was. I think he was so strong. But he wanted everybody to know that, you know, I, I'm not laying down for anybody. Now, I'm not one of those uh, weak ones or whatever, whatever. But he, he got the message out. I think a lot of the guys were scared to wrestle with him, to tell the truth. He was a big old strong fella. And, you know, he was doing his best. But uh, I think new guys that just get started, they kind of get a little uh, nervous. And they show strength they probably didn't know they had, you know, because they're kind of wound up, you know. But he was a good kid. And, boy, he was uh, – healthy and uh and just refreshing to see a guy like and you could tell he didn't waste his time with drugs and all that stuff he was a hard, he was a serious-minded fellow he was a a good guy i knew he was going to make it in this business right right off that's you know that's so kind I, you know uh jerry kevin's only like about probably 10 nine or 10 years older than me but i grew up watching kevin because you know when he broke in the business at 20 i was 11 10 or 11 years old so when I first got in the ring, it was I think the I think the only time in my life I lined up across from Howie Long one time when I was in camp at the LA Raiders, and I remember looking up, going, "Oh my goodness, that's Howie Long." That's how I felt when I looked in the ring in Sportatorium, and I'm across from Kevin Von Erich. I, I really just I was so in awe 
of Kevin that I'm sitting there doubting myself thinking, I'm not sure I belong here. I'm not sure I should be here. Uh-oh, the bell just rang. And I'm just like, hey, Kevin, Kevin could not have been a better guy. We traveled some together. We were talking about going out to West Texas. We wrestled each other a bunch, and he was so gracious and generous to me. But I'm just sitting there the whole time thinking, oh, my goodness, this is the guy that I watched on television when he debuted in 76. I was – it was one of the times, I think the only time in my entire wrestling career where I was just in awe of somebody across from me, and Kevin could not have been more gracious. Oh, you son of a gun. Well, sure. You know, I can remember being in your shoes, John. I thought, oh, boy, I know how that feels. And so I'm sure glad that's your memory of it because I did, I could tell, you know, you and Steve Austin, too. She's another one. I knew right off the bat he was going to be good at the business, good, good in our business, and he was, both of you guys. John, I'm telling you, you were the remember best talkers. Steve, do you I remember when Steve Austin, too. Kevin? Go do you ahead, remember Jerry. when Steve? Yeah. You remember when Steve walked into to the sportatorium there to to, to inquire about a career when, in wrestling? I remember. Yeah, Chris Adams was having a wrestling school, and uh, oh man, I had I was hitting uh, from all areas, and I just did not have time to help Chris out with that school, even though I thought I wanted to. Because he had Chris had a way about him, you know. He was going to take care of Chris first. I loved the guy, but uh, Steve was in a kind of raw deal with the guy, and it wasn't long until Steve was dating his wife. And I thought, well, he's figured a way to get even, I suppose. <laughs> he and uh, but he's the kind of uh, Steve was another guy. I mean, we know dip tuna fish in his bag, those cans of tuna. It's like uh, he's going to eat, he's going to do his show, he's going to get over, and uh, you know, he's kind of uh single-minded guy and i just knew he's gonna do it all of me and bronk especially bronk, bronco lewis and i he said that kid's on his way i said he sure is bronk <laughs> so let's see all right good texas kid man uh what an attitude always yeah. did like him and steve really looked up to bronco lubich you know we all did i mean bronco just had that way about him when he walked in i mean you just knew man, that didn't this, he? this was a star man what a guy yeah yeah he was he was a great guy. And just lit up the dressing was, room. You know, when he walked in, everybody just wanted to talk to him. Everybody wanted to listen to him. He was just one of those guys that that drew people to him. You know, you just yeah. this this guy's a star. You know, he had a referee shirt on, but you knew this this guy's a star, man. He was he was that impressive in person. I loved Bronco. Yeah. Yeah. And to ride with Bronco, you know, tolerate that cigar, but you heard every <laughs> wrestling story in the world. You always get experience when you got out of Bronco's car. <laughs> you know more than you le- more did when you left. Kevin, I've seen some interviews you've done and, and, and kind of different people, you know, different explanations for it from different people, not from you, but from different people. The when not wearing the wrestling boots, was that because of your knee surgeries? Was that uh the choice that you made <laughs> it was so much better on on your knees? Yeah, ultimately, John, that was it. Was the, uh, it took so much weight off the end of my feet, you know, and with those sweaty socks, you know, it, it does get heavy down there. And, but I had that that side to side movement was my problem with my knees, and so, you know, I and I did a lot of stuff off the top ropes, and so as my feet would be jarred, they kind of pull them out, and it, it didn't happen without the boots on. So that was all I wanted to, and it, it just was so liberating. It felt like I could fly. It was just almost, it was, it made it fun. I actually enjoyed matches a whole lot more after I took my boots off. So yeah, I'd never put them back on again. If I took them off, I, 
And I was like the only, uh, I mean, that was a thing that the uh, Pacific Islanders did, the Smolans you did, you know, and, uh, maybe Indian wrestlers. But uh, you were yeah, you I, I were a big it. fan of uh, Jimmy Superfly Snooker, right? I, I read oh, that somewhere, sure and, 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 and of course he wrestled with no boots on, and uh, and uh, you kind of like that look too, right? Well, I, yeah, I, I like Jimmy Snooker, but I definitely did. But remember, Jimmy and I, I think I took my foot, boots off before jimmy did to tell the truth that yeah. we wrestled we both wore boots when i worked with men on wtvs out there but jimmy was you know what a guy he was he was the yeah. first rate fella and i don't care what they say about this uh accusation out there i was working at jimmy with jimmy during the 80s and i just don't believe that happened the way he treated ladies with respect and so good i'd never believe it i, I just can't believe Snook would do something wrong like that he just wasn't the type you know, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. When, 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 uh, say the late 80s, when, when you got both your brothers wrestling with you, David and, and then Carrie, you guys yeah. start really, really catch on fire. You know, Michael Hayes said he went out there and he saw the, the younger crowd developing, you know, which is what you kind of had mentioned. But when the Freebirds came out there, d- did you guys realize that this is going to be a feud that people are going to be talking about? 40 years later at the time. I mean, did you, did you realize this could be the biggest thing in Texas when you saw these guys? I could John, because it was, uh, you know, we do a spot show, what we call a spot show every Saturday. It's on Saturdays uh, and Sundays. We do a spot show, but, uh, and that was where we'd give money to the Lions bank or the booster club or the, you know, the I bank, something like that. Always good causes. But uh, back in those days, the way you found the building was the highway was clogged up. I mean, when you took, you know, just followed the the, thick, the line of slow moving cars and that was the wrestling. And so it was easy in those days, uh, but, uh, but it was, uh, you know, uh, some of those little towns were just uh, great. We meet you know, everybody in town and take forever to get out there. But, you know, this don't, Chris and uh, I mean, it's. Chris and Chino were still a great tag team. I wouldn't want to take away from those guys at all. We had a great run with those. And, and then also the Japanese, we had a lot of uh, tag team matches with the Japanese, uh, uh, Dragon and Kabuki and, uh, and those wrestlers. And we always, we had good money with those guys and, and, you know, always a lot of, you know, high, high rated TV. And so, um, you know, I wouldn't want to take away anything from Chris and Gino or even those guys as uh and, uh, you know, we wrestled for a lot of, I mean, we had a lot of good men come through our territory back in, you know, most of the guys, most of the good men came from Dallas, it seems like. <laughs> Everybody, well, Kevin, go ahead, Jerry. Kevin, you guys had that, that, uh, that, uh, global tv that you know everybody was just uh raving about and you guys were so innovative at the time you guys were doing these vignettes you know out out away from the arenas away from the wrestling uh, scene that nobody had ever done before you guys were the forerunners and doing and doing uh, stuff like that you guys you guys had to do a lot of planning for for that and then just be ahead of your time could you feel that it was something different? I know other TVs were coming into your area there, and you'd have to look at those and, and say, man, we're, we're, we're way ahead of these guys, but we got to keep going there. Well, we were. And, 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 and Jerry, we, uh, back then, that was a Christian TV station, you know, and we had a prayer before every time we had a shoot. 
And every one of the cameramen, Will, Oz, Vic, and Skip, I knew all of their names, still remember them. And uh, I would work it out where they're going to be and where and my brothers and I would work out where we're going to be. So all the shots were the best shot we could get to. And I think that was an important part to know your cameramen and have a, a good rapport with them. Because I think it helped out with that show, with our show. Because uh, okay, you're exactly right there. And I'm going to ask you a question uh, that you know that 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 that, that was really tough uh, for my brother and I to do the first time. You know, when when we were turning heels against Steamboat and Youngblood in Carolina, we'd go into the truck and we'd get the director and producer, and you know, spill our guts on what was going to happen and how to shoot the match and all that stuff. But that was the hardest thing we'd done because. You just didn't do it back in the day. You just didn't smarten up those TV guys, you know, because I know, you know, I know. And you got you guys had to do that because of the 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 uh, the forwardness of, of your of your of your shooting there. You had to you had to inform the director and producer what was going on, like you did the cameraman. And that was hard hard well, to do, it, right? Yeah, it was a really tough call, but it was just those the cameraman and the producer, and so. uh it, it, but yeah, we didn't we didn't you know wise anybody up except like yeah that was the business you know and, uh, but uh, but the, you know they were um, there they were good days it was it was a, an investment you know it was in order to come to make that show because you know you don't want to give you these handheld mics with those boom uh, those boom microphones with handheld cameras you want those guys to know what you're doing or it, it would look kind of there would have been a whole lot more. Uh, we wanted to have the school, the show in house, ready to go. But no, there we had a lot of editing we had to do. But that was our idea at first: is use two hot camera angles and go with the best angle, you know. So we never showed anything loose. But uh, you know, that's easier to do and so, than say. I mean, how many cameras did the guys use? Do you remember how many cameras you have? Because those old studio wrestling was usually two cameras, one up in the. And a fixed area than a handheld running around. You guys had at least four or five cameras, right? Yeah, we did. We had two two fixed, a two handheld, and then one that would then a, 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 an angle up in the catwalk, and we'd use that one too. So we had the five angles that we'd go back to, just you know, go to an area that was you know, it was easy to shoot the show back then because it was you know so you know so um, um so hot. All the shows were really hot, you know, high energy and uh, aggression was there because, you know, we in the dressing room, it was like, uh, let's make it happen. I mean, it's like a, it was like a football game in the dressing room. It was like everybody was fired up for the match. And we went out there and I know I've been called stiff. And so have you guys, because I've heard you, I've heard it. But I'll, you tell me this, you know, how many how many successful wrestlers have you heard that when they describe them in their in the end, the, all the guys that were really good were a little snug, were a little sniff, <laughs> stiff. And, and, and you know, that's just, that's just, we're paid well and let's earn it. That's kind of what was our slogan. And, and I'm sure if you're going to really do your best with something, you put your best foot forward, you know, you lay it in. And uh, it makes for good TV because, you know, when you don't lay it in, you can sure tell by the sound of the crowd. You know, one thing I always thought, Kevin, was, you know, ECW came along about the mid-90s, I guess it was, and everybody's talking about, hey, this is great, this is hardcore. But what they're missing was WCCW was hardcore back in, back in 1980. I mean, that was, that was some of the hardest, stiffest wrestling. I loved it. Everybody who, who wrestled there and was successful loved it. But, man, it, yeah. 
chairs over the that's head. That's right. Hammer and th- it was everything you wanted. That was it. Leather straps, uh, those lumberjack matches with guys on the floor with leather straps. It was. It was. You know, yeah, you earned your money, but it was worth it because you know you're, you're every. Every time you really put yourself out there, you're rewarded for it. And that makes all the guys want to work hard. And I mean, I remember uh, we called the Ultimate Warrior, uh, we, no, not Ultimate Warrior, and we called the um, Texas Punisher, and he became the Undertaker for Vince. He was one of our guys, too. And it was, it seemed like all the really good Shawn Michaels. I love that match they had at WrestleMania 25. I watched that one, and uh, what a match. And those two guys were. You know that guy, you guys, you know that sound when the crowd starts stomping their feet, that rumble that they, that nobody puts it together. It just happens when they, I don't even think if people know they're doing it, but that rumble, what a, what a uh, atmosphere that makes, you know, and uh, it's a good sound. It's a, you know, you know, you've, you've really got the crowd when you hear that. Kevin, I'll tell you a little story. That was my last <laughs> I ever wrestled was WrestleMania. I think it was 25 when Undertaker and Shawn Michaels had that, one of the greatest matches of all time. But I yeah. remember thinking I just wrestled in the, the Astrodome or whatever it was at the time. And the Von Erichs went into the hall of fame the day before Undertaker and Shawn Michaels just had one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. It's time to leave. I can't. Hey, <laughs> and really I'd plan on that being my last match. But one of that was leading up to it was I knew the Von Erichs were going in the hall of fame. I, I knew this match was coming up with Undertaker and Sean, which is going to be one of their last big matches of their career. Ended up they had quite a few more. Yeah. But I just remember thinking, this this is it. After I saw that match, I thought, you know what? I've done the right thing. It's time to say goodbye and leave because I'll never have a bigger weekend than this one. And and, and it wasn't. It was that it was that good. Uh, yeah, well, it was a great wrestling weekend for the business, for the whole week for the business. So uh, I, I know what you mean. That was something else. I mean, uh, I'm sure y'all have had good matches up there. When I saw that, I thought, everything you're supposed to see, I've seen. That was the best false finish. That was the best. I mean, on and on and on. But it was, yeah, a really good match. Two athletes that are devoted to the business that just, it all came together. And so I, I think that was one of my favorite WWE matches I'd seen, I suppose, yeah. You know, Kevin, one thing you guys did, like we talked about, you, you were so, guys were so innovative down there in uh, WCCW. The, the vignettes that y'all did, the one that always has stuck out to me, we had Jimmy Garvin a while back, we were talking to him. When Jimmy Garvin was a valet for a day for your brother David out on the ranch, that people to this day talk about that as being one of the greatest <laughs> vignettes of all time. That was yeah. so freaking good. It was. And they were, you know, Dave and Jimmy were always good friends, you know, but they had – what a good time the shooting that thing it was it was a it was a heck of a a, a show with sunshine out there all wet and had all that tick dip all over her trying to tip that dog and dragging those hay bales with no gloves no and what a team that was good tv that was that was something else all right that was a, a, one of the best getting his charles up in his big lincoln and and they took it away from him. It was, it was just, uh, it was funny. That was good TV. All right. Yeah, that was, that was fun. That was fun. The, the Von Eric Freeberg rivalry was, which is what everybody brings up. And, you, and like you say, you had tons of, them. I mean, Gino Hernandez to me might be the, one of the greatest heels of all time. I love Gino. He was, man, he was so freaking good as a heel. But that robbery you guys had with the Freebirds, just to this day, 
you go back into Texas and people talk about Freebirds and Von Erichs. I mean, what, that that had to be for you, just a, a kid in a candy store going into every sold out arena. Everything was on fire. It just it, it worked out so well. And the angle leading up to it, the cage match with uh, you know uh, Gary the, getting his head slammed on by Gordy wrestling flair it just was it's probably it's one of the best setups of all times it was so well done everything you guys did was like that that's what led to that huge boom of texas wrestling in the 80s oh yeah and terry gordy was like uh terry and buddy were were perfect the way terry was so solid so snug a big old redneck tough guy and i mean he was about as tough as there were you know and then buddy like a crash test dummy no matter what you did to him, he drew, <laughs> he's there next week and he's got heat. <clears throat> and then Michael, and you know, he had a gift with that mouth of his. John, you're you, you're like that too, John. I mean, I'm not saying that you're necessarily a <laughs> He is Michael, a lot like I'm, Michael Hayes. <laughs> yeah, he's something else. He can really talk. The people hated his guts. I remember when I was in Atlanta, you know, we were uh tag tag partners in Atlanta, and we went to we went to one of those little uh buffets underwoods, I think it was. And we're going through there, and, uh, and he's got that big uh, bowl of thing on his neck, you know, and a pretty shirt, and that long hair, and uh, the way he's telling those ladies, that, like, you can't come in there with those pants like that, sir. And he said, these here ain't jeans, these door dashes. <laughs> oh, Michael. And and then and then the, the uh, uh, oh, it was just Michael was, uh, you know, and they were all three specialists. They Terry was great at what he did. Buddy was great at he did what he did. And Michael, he was so creative too. Michael was like a, you know, uh, he loved what he did, and it showed. Yeah, know? Michael to me is one of the best. If you what you do, it's just... Michael to me was one of the best minds in the business. I mean, you guys had a bunch back then. You had Gary Hart, you had Skandor Agbar, you had Ken Mantell. I mean, you had your dad Fritz. I mean, you had some of the best minds in the business all in one territory. I mean, that had to be a wonderful collaboration with you guys sitting around and all these guys. Had to be a little bit of friction back there, too, and you had a bunch of really smart guys that all have their uh, set point of views. Yeah, I had Bruiser Brody there, and then we had uh, uh, so many. Yeah, good ones. I don't want to leave anybody out, really, but, man, we had some of the best talent. There was Big John Stud was down there, and we had a program dig for a long time, and uh, and uh, he was he was great too, you know. And but all these guys went up to New York and had a great great career. But, you look uh, at that roster. You, you look know, at that old roster, Kevin, that you guys had there, and I bet you that you know every you, you could check off about half the Hall of Fame members uh, from that roster that you guys had. That's how talented of a roster. Everybody in the country was jealous of. Uh, of world-class wrestling because of all the talent and, and basically because of the Von Eric boys and, and all those young people that you were drawing that. And that was so different in the business because you mentioned at the beginning of this interview, when we started, there was a lot of middle-aged guys, you know, and you'd lost that young crowd. And then the Von Eric's come along and then, you know, then the, 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 the uh, other tag team started coming along that emulated you guys. And, that was a real big change of our business at that time there where we, we started transitioning to the middle-aged guys and to the young 
young athletic yeah, yeah. style of, of guys. And once we got to that young athletic style of guys and talent, and the business started taking off because it was fresh, and that's what the people wanted to see. But it was all pioneered, I think, from the from world class wrestling. Uh huh. I, I bet you you're right, Jerry. I think so. It was like uh, it was the we had so many good tag teams come through there, but but yeah, it was like uh, I think people had kind of gotten it, the crossover crowd from being just a, a bunch of uh, men to the children. I mean, they're selling a lot more Cokes and candy at the matches and cotton candy and popcorn instead of just their, you know, and, uh, and, uh, French fries and, uh, tacos, you know, the sport tournament was a great place to eat too. <laughs> I, I tell you what, uh, you know, one thing you guys missed out on was the t-shirt sales. Can you imagine what the t-shirt sales, John, would have been like back in those days when world-class was oh, just, yeah. Just crazy, and all those young teenage girls running around, they all would have wanted a Von Eric t shirt. <laughs> oh man, you know, my dad didn't even want to sell eight by 10 pictures back then. And uh, <laughs> believe it or not, the first people to sell t shirts at the Sportatorium were Pam and I were. We got, we, I went down there to, I took a class at, uh, uh up there in, uh, in, uh, Wichita Falls, that, uh, Cook County School up there, and learned how to do the, uh, the, uh, silk screening for t-shirts and we came out with shirts so that was, and we also came out with eight by tens and posters and that had never been done before and that's that was pam's idea uh-huh. so uh but we we did that we were the first to do that boy that was a cash cow uh my dad never thought of that one though it was like everything was new and he was learning as he went you know was your dad against so it, it uh, Kevin, or was Fritz against it, or he just hadn't thought about it yet as a supplemental income? Uh, I don't think he really thought about it, but he saw trouble in it. He saw uh, people selling T-shirts, uh, pictures and all that, and then is the count going to be right? We had a lot of crooks back then, too, you know. I'm sure that was on his mind. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah he probably didn't want that. Yeah, yeah, a lot of crooks. And so he was probably saying, well, we'll have – that's three more – you know, avenues where people can rob me. So maybe that's what he was thinking, but yeah, he didn't want to do such things. He wanted to keep it strictly wrestling and, uh, you know, no changes because, you know, it was, it was, everything was different. It was, the world was changing right under our feet back then, you know. How did it work with, uh, Fritz and the booker with your dad, and the booker it was, you know, you had so many different bookers and so many great minds. I know he and, Gary Hart kind of clashed each other quite a bit, even though it was kind of a, I think, a love-hate relationship. They both made each other a ton of money. But how did your dad work as far as collaboration with the booker? Was Did he just let the booker go free, or was there always your, your dad working yeah. with him? Well, no, he never let anybody go free. He would give the, uh, the uh, you know, his general idea of what he wanted, but he would let it be their decision how they went about it. And Gary was, you know, Gary, uh, I could tell by his book that he was, you know, uh, that he didn't, you know, he was angry at dad over some other things too, I'm sure. But, you know, it, uh, dad had a rule. He, anybody drinking that office down there, he knew it would start it, or, you know, having a joint down in that office. Like Gary loved his pot, you know, <laughs> but, you know, nothing against him. And I wouldn't say anything for, against him at all. But, I mean, I loved Gary. But uh, he and dad, it wasn't necessarily my dad. I don't believe it. I think Gary was just, did not like to be um, um, corrected, really. Gary was, uh, 
he dad had told him don't do that stuff in our building and you know it's really easy to smell dad smelled it went in there and caught him and just fixed it you know but jerry uh i don't know what all we can say i know we're here you know joking around and i don't want to you know go too far but i love your brother jack you know me and jack were working at uh, jack worked with dave and me and uh, St. Louis, you know, for that Missouri title. Right. Yeah. And uh, I remember we were in the back a long time ago with sitting with Sam Mushnick and Sam says, oh, Jack, son, uh, uh, there was a terrible rumor going around that uh, that uh -huh. you smoke that stuff, Jack. And it's just, uh, and Sam and Jack said, yes, yeah, Sam, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was thinking that and Jerry and I, Jack and I had both been outside before, you know. <laughs> yeah. Just got back and I thought, oh, well, I'm not going to leave Jack alone on this one, you know, because we were working the main that night. And I told Sam about it. And Sam couldn't believe it. Man, I loved Sam. I hated the way that went. But, you know, he loved Jack so much. And Jack's work was so good that it was just, well, that if that comes with Jack, so be it. You know, and because uh, yeah. <laughs> Jack was really, really, uh, he, he, to me, he was one of the best champs. I really thought that yeah. Jack and the Funks were two, were three really good champs, you know. And, I did too. Uh, I, thought the, I thought the championship. Uh, I thought the championship rain kind of left after after Jack and the Funks uh, had it there. But uh, yeah, Jack and Sam yeah. they had that open relationship, and uh, and you know, and 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 I, I remember Jack telling me that story where he got busted by Sam, and he he told me that you backed him up. I he I thought it was David, but now I'm finding out it was you that. Uh, that backed him up on it, you know, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah he was open too. about it, but like you said, it didn't affect his work. He went out there and he wrestled like a champ. He would go 60 minutes and have the people standing. Yeah. You know, I did uh, 60 minutes every night. So, uh, I'll, I'll admire that guy. Yeah. yeah. He was something else. He was a solid champ and it was a pleasure to watch him work and work with him. Great match. We had Kevin in, in that time period, say of 84 to 85, uh, WrestleMania had just started up in uh, New York and some pay-per-views had just started. People started going uh, global, I'm sorry, national with cable, ESPN, WTBS, USA. First was Joe Blanchard, then Vince McMahon right after that. Did you guys see that wave coming in? And what were you thinking about it? Were you thinking, hey, Vince is trying to take over the world, WCW is trying to take over? Did you guys have a counter to that, or were you worried about it? What was your mindset of 84, say, to 86 before you dropped out of the NWA as far as do we have to fight these guys because they're going to be encroaching in our territory? Well, Vince came down, and we had a meeting back then. And uh, my dad, me, David Manning, and uh, it was just the three of us. And then my dad – and then uh, there, I think that Garibaldi was with Vince and uh, – and another guy, and I, you know, John, I thought we had a great, a, a great meeting. And I was like, you know, we're back at there. You never disagree with your family in front of anyone, you know? And so, and so Vince would be talking and I was quiet a lot. And uh, Dave and I were both quiet, but, uh, mm -hmm. but my dad just didn't see how he would benefit from it. And, what Vince was doing was covering all those corners that we were missing. And so with the marketing, and so I thought it would have been great. And I tried to talk dad into it, but that's of course after Vince and his men left, you know, cause we never disagreed in front of anyone else. And so, uh, but, 
but it didn't. It didn't come about. It didn't happen. But I really thought, and, and you know, Vince offered us half of uh, half of his business back then, and we could have kept Dallas and San Antonio too. And I thought that was really given a lot. And I thought, well, Dad's going to do this, but I could not talk him out of it. He he said, "What's in it for us?" I said, "Dad, what, everything we're missing." And Vince was so together. He it, when at a meeting with Vince, the guy is sharp, sharp, sharp. And uh, so I just thought it was really going to happen. And David did too. But dad did not want that to come about. I'm not sure why. It was just, you know, not to be. But um, and then later Vince came along and boy, he just he did great. But I know for a long time he couldn't come to Dallas. The people were would, uh, you know, they liked our style. But uh, eventually they caught on, but not for a long time. It took a while. Well, Kevin, you were you were the one of the key assets of the company at the time. Advance was really wanting you. Did he make a play towards you during those meetings or telling telling you to come and uh, for his TVs or anything? Yeah, yeah, they you know they gave me a they did they did, but you know Vince liked. A, I think I wasn't quite heavy enough. I was two thirty two, you know, two hundred thirty two pounds, and I think he wanted a more maybe bigger guys you know vince had that remember when he back then he, he was right he was some kind of a bodybuilding a bodybuilding thing he had going kind of you know i thought maybe that might have been it and maybe i didn't fit that one because i never did lift you know for the mirror it was all for strength i lifted weights so i'd be a better wrestler i didn't do it just so i'd have a pretty body you know and so um uh, I, I i kind of thought well maybe that's it maybe those are shooting for something else but uh you know um but it wasn't it, 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 to tell the truth. I really didn't want to go up there. I was, I, I like the idea of, uh, of you know, I, I go to a territory and I'd work there, but um, I didn't like to be on the road every night. You know, I like to be home. I had kids and I wanted to uh, be, be home as much as I could or take them with me. And, uh, and Vince's tours were just so long that that wouldn't have happened. And so I just didn't really like the idea of uh, going with Vince and, uh, just because of all the work it would have taken. I really liked being with my family as much as I could. Well, one of, so, the, that's that, I mean. one of the things that really helped Vince in Texas, uh, from my understanding, was once he finally got Kerry, I guess, in the late 80s. And so once Kerry yeah. went there and started working, that really opened up Texas. And, and for the first time, Vince was having success uh, run, running Texas. And one of the main reasons was, of course, because he had your brother Kerry. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. That's when it kind of opened up for him. But, you know, Kerry had gotten some uh, sloppy habits by then, and it was uh, it was him not putting his best foot forward, but I'm sure he would have uh, really loved it if it was the old Kerry. But there was something in, in my brother that uh, the idea of having that foot cut off, to him, he was half a man. He couldn't stand the idea of people knowing that he was that he was maimed, that he was a cripple. He really hard on himself about that. And I was proud of him. All of the family was proud of him, but to Kerry, he had a lot higher, um, he demanding of himself. He, he was really just, you know, decided that uh, it wasn't worth to him. I guess that was the, because Kerry never was like that with the, uh, the drugs and all, but he did really get into him when he got up there and, uh, that was too bad, but you know, uh, you know, yeah. all of his friends were really proud of him with the comeback he made after that accident, you know, and the effort that he put on on in the ring, you know, and uh, and the way he carried himself. I mean, 
you know, you you say yeah, you know, shoes. Yeah, yeah. I so we were all proud of. Some, I don't. I don't think he realized his, how how proud his peers were of him for making that comeback. Yeah, I could see that. You guys had a real camaraderie back there, and and a lot of guys like Kerry. And I remember Brett. I, I did make a couple of shows. And uh, Brett would be kind of the, uh, he would handle the news of the week, you know, with the blackboard and all. He's so good at drawing. And uh, he really cracked me up, you know, but uh, but everybody loved Kerry and uh, and uh, they loved him so much. And so I was sure glad to hear that because they, they, I'm glad they got to see the the real Kerry. You know, he, he just was loving fun. He just loved to have fun. That's what he wanted to do is just, can y'all see me? I, yes. Yeah. My, I, don't, I, I don't know about y'all, but, but uh, my elbow's been dis dislocated so long that my, so many times my fingers start going numb. So I got to move my arm around. You know, so I guess you were looking at the back of my head. <laughs> but, well, we, we've got some of the most creative <laughs> shots that we've ever got. You talk about innovation, world class has nothing on the uh, TV angle that you, you've given us today here on TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a lot of fun. And I'm glad we were all in that era. You know, it was, yeah. I got a story with the Frisco's, got a story with Big John. And I got, I had some really good friends up with WWE, some guys I really respect too. And, uh, and so I'm so glad everybody's doing well. And, uh, Rick, man, Rick Flair is still going strong. It's good to see, good to see everybody up there. And tell us about your, tell us about your two boys. I follow them on uh, social media. They seem to be doing great. Uh, but tell, tell us, tell us about your two boys. Well, they're they're natural athletes. They are. They uh, Marshall's the bigger one. He's about two fifty five, six almost six four, and Ross is more my size. But any and but the, the, he reminds me of Kerry. And Marshall, you know, acts like me, or, but uh, I mean, maybe kind of looks like me. But he, it's funny. I can see each one of my brothers in these guys. And, uh, man, can you imagine having a wrestling match where you went to the ring in an empty crowd? You guys, I don't think I could do it. Going to the ring like these guys had to do with this COVID, that's a, boy, that's a tough uh, road to hoe right there. I, I don't know how they did it, but they but they did. And I suppose the wrestling will stand. You know, it'll, it'll survive. But, man, that wrestling in front of an empty building, I can't wait for this junk to be over. This mask, I don't know about you guys, but I can't stand to breathe my hot, wet, stinky <laughs> breath under that mask when there's cool air just an inch away, you know? I just yeah. can't do it. But yeah, uh, and So I that's think, my excuse. I think business is going to be better than it's ever been. I mean, there's so much pent-up demand from people just wanting to get out and see anything that I think once the yeah. business opens back up, which it looks like it's doing in the next month or two, the fans are going to rock, John. Those. I agree 100%. Kevin, we can't tell you how much we appreciate you taking the time. And I know it's been, uh, you've had some, uh, some, uh, some medical uh, issues that we've been trying to get, get through here as, as I have. And we appreciate your time and we appreciate your, your wife, Pam, helping us get all set up for this Zoom call here and, uh, and you over there in paradise. And uh, we appreciate any time that, that you come on. We're, we're all blessed because of the fact that you, you shared some of your stories with us. And uh, thank well, you so much. it's my pleasure. Jerry, I was looking forward to this. You guys are just some of the best guys in the world. And I was looking forward to it. And 
you know, I've been trying to show, not show my broken out tooth or the baby headbutt in me, but there it is. It looks terrible. <laughs> All right. right. I'm, I'm glad you did that. And we can tell that that's a Bon Eric, a Bon Eric headbutt, yeah. a Bon Eric. That's how stiff they are. They headbutted him and knocked Grandpa. That's right. <laughs> that's right, Jerry. <laughs> He's going to be another one. That's for sure. He already potatoed me. <laughs> Kevin, hey Kevin, well, hey. thank you, thank you so much for, uh, for the first <laughs> today. It, it's it's always an honor and a treat to see you. You've always been so gracious to me and so generous and such such a good guy. Uh, it's just it's still it's still as much a thrill as it was the first time I sat there in the ring across from you in the sportatorium. It's it just that. Oh, you big old rascal! I miss you, Big John. Uh, you too, Jerry. You guys, thank you, brother. You, you know, uh, uh, you. you it's just so great. You think back in, in, in this business, you know, the families and the Von Eric family. And, and I, I'm, I'm proud to say, you know, the Briscoe family, where the, the families that were in this business were some damn good people. And I, I ran across your dad when I had my first rookie trip into Japan. I sat on a train with him many, many hours sitting there and he would, hey, kid, you know, when you get some experience, give me a call. And yeah. I never made that call. Then all of a sudden I looked down there. And there five uh, Von Erich signs that were stud. And I said, what the hell am I going to do there? I'm a, I'm one of those 35-year-old men. So I went back to the office. <laughs> but uh, you guys are a famous family and, and one of the, the, the premier families in our business there. And, and tons of respect to the Von Erich family, brother. Well, thank you, Jerry. It was a pleasure to do this show. It was a lot of fun. Y'all call me anytime. And we'll do it again.